Hello, everyone. This is uh, my name is Robert Hahn. I'm a partner and a COO of Two Miles. We're an accounting firm here locally in Orange County, California. It's a privilege and a pleasure to speak to you today, and I hope you will be blessed uh, by the Holy Spirit um, through this message. I want you to consider something today, uh, maybe perhaps a paradigm shift. For example, you know, I'm, I'm a leader of an accounting firm, but when I graduated from school, when I started working, I realized I was really not an accountant. I didn't even like to be referred as an accountant, even today. I don't even like accounting that much, right? I realized I was more of a business consultant rather than an accountant. Accounting is a platform which we start by, but it leads to, I get excited when it leads to other things, other advisory consulting opportunities. So in my life, my identity professionally had a paradigm shift. And I was much happier. I was much more fulfilled. So perhaps the perspective I want to uh, share with you today and perhaps maybe have a paradigm shift is looking at businesses as a church. In Greek, ekklesia, right? So therefore, business and church during this teaching may be used synonymously, okay? Now, there is no biblical or even personal prescriptive formula where the two, the church and business, are equal, right? But the point I'm trying to make today, I want you to understand, is the perspective of business as church, right? Because you may say, it is really hard to perceive or conceive businesses as church for various reasons. But the important thing is the concept and idea that can be applied how biblical concepts can be modeled in the business. At least for this teaching, I would like to maybe just take a moment here, take a second here to deprogram yourself from your perspective, your experience in the church. Okay? Take a moment. Okay? And come with an open mind during this discussion. You know, what is the state of the church today? One Christian leader said, this is a bold statement, and I don't necessarily agree with this, but it's a statement that was made by one Christian leader. He said, God is no longer blessing and using the local church. In fact, he said, the church age has ended, and he believed that some other Christian organization, the beacon of truth, some of them agree with him. This is a pervasive view. This may be even a pervasive view among many Christians today. Why or how? You know, some of the churches, not all, I mean, church members, Christians, have become very consumer-oriented. They go to church to see what they could gain. What can I get? Kind of me attitude. And what I call, if you continue to do that, you become spiritually, morbidly obese Christians. Spiritually, not physically. George Barna said this, is that, that this idea, that consumer demand will intensify and shape the church 
of the future. People will demand personalized religions and will, that will satisfy their needs without requiring any sacrifice or commitment. I think business is largely the same. If our people, if employees come and just work thinking for themselves what they could get, you have a very shallow foundation, shallow organization. The doctrine of the church is based upon doctrine of grace. It is founded upon and grounded upon believers' union with Christ. Christ is the central figure. And it is critical. In ecclesiology, it is critical, this fact, to every Christian, their union with Christ. And where is Christ in the church? What role, what function, what dependency does Christ play in the church? This consumer mentality, Mildred Erickson called it inverted theology, where people, God serves us instead of us serving God. Instead of regarding Jesus as our Lord, whose glory should be supreme value and whose will should be done through us, it is the other way. Many Christians think the church is there so for us. We are the centerpiece. That is not the case. You've got to remember, we have to understand what it costs God to build the church. Having people with passion in the church and demanding the same passion from one another and serving the Lord with the same passion. So I want to consider Matthew 16 today. It says, starting from verse 13, When Jesus came to the area of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, Who do the people say the Son of Man is? And they answered him, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others say Jeremiah, or the one of the prophets. And he said to them, who do you say that I am? Then Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, You are blessed, Son of Jonah, but flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and gates of Hades will not overcome it. The key phrase there is, I will build my church. There's a story in 1944, December, during World War II, uh, in Bastogne. There were about 50,000 U.S. troops entrapped, surrounded by German army, as the Germans mounted their final defense, final assault, to fend off the Allied um, attack. The German general asked for surrender. During that time, General McAuliffe responded with one word, nuts. Basically saying, there's no way it's going to happen. And later on, um, with General Patton, the 8th Army came and rescued them, and the rest is history. This is similar to that story, but even more. With our Savior saying, I will build my church and no one will come against it. What did it cost to build a church, start the church? It cost him his life. It was purchased at Calvary by the blood of Christ where 
everyone and anyone who believe can have their sins forgiven. It started at Calvary. It starts with Jesus. And this is the most important Q&A, I think, in history of mankind, where it says, who do you say? What do, who does, what do others say the Son of Man is? Who do you say that I am? And Peter had the right answer. You are the Son of the living God. You are the Christ. And that the greatest promise, I think, in the Bible is this. I will build my church. Or my church, my people will not fail and gates of Hades will not overcome it. So church is a very precious institution in the world. And this is in Matthew 16. It's the first time the word church is used. And it begins, church begins, the concept of church begins here in Matthew 16. Men, consider this. And women, your businesses are your church. God called you to lead as a shepherd your business in a similar way. Think about your calling. I believe Christian men are called and men and women are called. Christian leaders are called for a task to do Lord's work in all things. There's one of the amazing truths about our God is that He chose and still chooses today to use men like you and me to do His work. Men and women to do His work on this earth. Could He have done it by Himself? Of course. He has legions of angels who could do that. But He enables us to partake. He calls us. And it is a great calling. So why are we in these positions in our businesses? What, just for revenue? Just for profits? Just to meet payroll? How empty would that be at the end of our lives that we achieved X amount of revenue, X amount of profits? Then what? It is empty. What would be fulfilling? I'll leave that to the end. I'll share what that fulfillment is at the end. God did not call men and women for themselves. God called them for His kingdom. So let's consider for a moment the key traits of a church. What is its priority? The glory of God. What is it centered on? The living word and the written word. What is it activated by? By the Holy Spirit. With gifting each individual to exercise what it's God has given, it, given to them. Then become missional with the message. What is the message? Message of Jesus Christ and the gospel going forward. You could have many other traits, but I think I could whittle it down to those four. So men and women, don't be afraid. Central focus is not the us. Jesus said, I will build my church. He's in essence saying, I want to correlate that to, I will build your business. Do not fear. In the gates of Hades, the enemy will not overcome it. In many ways, when you create a priority as glory of God, being word-centered, being spirit-activated, being missional. Except the last piece, mission. It's like it's a glimpse of heaven because there are no more missions there. It's like glimpse of heaven. 
What can't the church, or as in the church, businesses be the same? You have realized we're the temple of God. That spirit of Jesus lives in us wherever we go. That could be exercised in the church as well as in the business. Please meditate upon this truth. You know, more and more, I'm convinced that there is real no segmentation in life, whether I'm a father, husband at a home, at a church, a servant, and a shepherd or servant in the business. There's no, it's all ministry. It's a ministry taking on different forms everywhere I go. So think of this. If the church is the most precious uh, institution that Jesus had promised to build, why can't your business? In Acts chapter 20, it says, Be on guard for yourselves and for your flock among you, with the Holy Spirit has given you as oversteers to shepherd the church of God. Think of that you're calling. Just exchange that word, the church, with business. Word basically synonymous. That's how precious it is. Peter says, You are not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your former manner of life, but the precious blood of the Lamb. That's how precious it is to cause, uh, to establish the church and establish your business, perhaps. It paid, God paid an infinite price. It is the only institution Jesus promised to build. Only institution that He promised to bless. All the institutions on this earth, no other institution created will last. Only one that will duplicate itself is in heaven. That is the church or your business. It could be the visible uh, manifestation on this earth as well as in heaven. So I want to kind of leave with you three thoughts. In your business, in your spheres of influence, three thoughts of how you should, um, what should happen in your businesses. One is worship. Strive for worship. Number two, to lead. And two, number three, to care. Worship is the purpose of redemption. God desires worshipers. Worship is the heart and mindset and perpetual existence. You know, John Piper said this, missions exist because full worship doesn't, or not enough. And the Great Commission said to the Great Commission, Matthew 20, doesn't say make Christians. Right? It says make disciples. Disciples are worshipers first. In Isaiah chapter 6, it says, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, lofty and revealed, in the train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim stood above him, and having six wings, two covered his face, two covered his feet, Two, with two he flew, called out and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Whole earth is filled with his glory. That's a picture of worship. It's a biblical de- uh, description of heaven. What if something like this, not literally, but this type of worship, this type of reverence for God, 
in the hearts of your coworkers, your employees, could come like this. Worship can happen in your businesses. Then lead. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, chapter 3, verse 2. Now the overseer must be above, above reproach, husband of one wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, and able to teach. If you look at those, being an overseer is a daunting task. Who could say, I am up to these tasks? It's a high, being an overseer is a high calling, noble calling, perhaps the highest calling on this earth. This is why the church leader Samuel Brangle said this, Church leadership is not won by promotion, but by many prayers and tears. It is attained by confession of sin, much heart-searching, humbling before God, by self-surrender, courageous sacrifice of every idol, uncompromising, uncomplaining embrace of the cross, by eternal and unfaltering looking into Jesus crucified. Man leading a church or man leading a business is compelled by these things. He must desire to do the work. He says aspire. The closest definition is to lust after. You have to lust after, aspire after the work so hard. Why? Because you want to serve the Lord who resides in you. I think, I think this, one of the most honorable things, the greatest honor I have on this earth is to lead God's organization. So I encourage, let's lead well. Let's lead well. Lastly, care. You know, um, for unbelievers, Penn Jillette, the 50% of Penn and Teller, a Las Vegas show, he's an avid atheist. But one day, this Christian came up and he shared the gospel and gave the Bible to him. He says, if every Christian who really believed the Bible, the truth of the gospel, if he doesn't share the good news with me, the gospel of Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ with me, how much does he really hate me if he doesn't? We have the obligation to share the gospel. That could happen even more effectively, I believe, in business. Because you see them every day. They'll see your life. One missionary said, show them your actions. Share the gospel through your actions. Then use words when necessary. And as we, for believers, there's a word koinonia in the Bible. Christianity is not privatized. Spirituality is not privatized. It's to participate. We partner. We communion. We share. We do the one another's together. We share our spiritual gifts with one another, Romans 12, according to the grace that God has exercised in us. So, in conclusion, Jesus said, promised, I will build my church. It is the only institution He promised to build. Our gifts should be exercised within a church or business. And He said in Matthew 16, I, I will build. He, the same I, dwells in us. That's, we're ordinary men. We all feel very ordinary. So are the apostles.
In a Revelations 5.5, John writes, Behold, the Lion from the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, has overcome so as to open the book and its seven seals. This is one of the best, my favorite expressions of Jesus, the Lion of Judah. The lion extols, exemplifies power, strength. He will build the church, and he is in you. It's one of my greatest privileges to be a leader, a spiritual leader in my company. You know, this I think this is should be the heart of all shepherds, all Christian leaders who lead their organizations, is one day. We'll all be in heaven. I imagine, this is just my vision, that we'll be in a line to meet our Lord one by one. What do we desire to do? I personally want to see my, my wife and my children ahead of me in that line. They're probably there already. They're ahead of me on that line. And wouldn't it be beautiful also, your employees, people you work with every day, are in line ahead of you because a message that you shared, the care you had for them, how you led them, how you showed them the way to Jesus Christ, that is a beautiful picture. And I pray that when I get there, my Lord would say, well done, my good and faithful servant. To do this, to be a spiritual leader in a home, I'm mean, in, a, in a church, is a very it's not an easy task. It's a daunting task, as I, as I said. But there's an organization I'm a part of, I'm a member of, I'm a co-minister of, and it's a privilege to serve with great godly men who are serving in their own businesses, in their spheres of influence. It's called JCCEOs, Jesus Christ's Chief Executive Officers. They can help you. We can help you. We can equip you. We could encourage you. And we could also pray for you. You are not going at it alone. There are many men fighting this battle as soldiers of God, climbing that mountain of business to claim it for Jesus Christ. And believe it, that you can be, it can be done, not by our power, because Jesus said, I will build it.